Hello, and welcome to this episode of Take 15. My name's Bud Hazlitt, and I'm the head of risk management, derivatives, and alternative investments here at CFA Institute. Today, we're joined by Ted Aronson, head of Aronson, Johnson, and Ortiz investment management firm. And Ted, welcome. What I'd like to talk about today is trade management. Now, many years ago, you headed up the Committee on Trade Management for the CFA Institute, and I'm wondering if you could share some insights that you learned during that period and also compare them to how the trade management issues are handled today. Uh, perhaps it was about 10 years ago when the Association for Investment Management and Research at the time uh, started the process of analyzing trading. After all, Trading has been an integral part of the investment process since day one, since people met under the buttonwood tree. However, it had not been codified. There really weren't any clear-cut procedures to follow to assure trading was done fairly, honestly, and to the benefit of the client. So, the CFA Institute undertook a process that, that brought together experts in the field, predominantly among them uh, Wayne Wagner from the Plexus Group, Don Keim from this institution, don't know if I can say that or not, um, uh, to analyze the situation and make recommendations. And indeed, that's exactly what we did. Great, excellent. And so the recommendations you made, are they still appropriate today? Or has the marketplace become uh, more sophisticated in the 10 years or so since uh, that happened? Uh, the market clearly has become more sophisticated. Also, it's become more confusing. Think of dark pools. Think of high-frequency trading. Think of algorithmic trading. Could you imagine explaining that to my mother? <laughs> uh, however, I'm not sure the goal has really changed. Uh, the, 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 what, what the trade management guidelines set out to do is an attempt to optimize the investment objective that leads to trading. There are certainly situations where patient, low-key, quiet trading is called for, and there may be instances when fast-paced, high-frequency trading is called for. It all depends on the investment objective. Now, there's been some call to have regulation and, uh, and actually eliminate high-frequency trading. Do you think that's appropriate, or should uh, the high-frequency traders be allowed to move along uh, however they want? I've heard some amazing statistics that upwards, believe it or not, of 90% of trading these days sometimes is accounted for by high-frequency trading. I really don't believe it. I think the figure is probably closer to 40 50 60%. One of the problems is no one really knows. In general, I'm not sure added regulations are going to help, but clearly market regulators should pay attention to what's going on to see if additional regulation may be called for in the future. I worry about it less than many um, headline writers in the newspaper. I think this is uh, a bit hyped, if you will, and it just sells newspapers. Right. Uh, I started in the business in 1980, and the average daily volume on the New York Stock Exchange here in the U.S. was 32 million shares. It's really remarkable, you know, 30 years later to see that uh, there's dozens of individual issues that have over 30 million shares trading in them. So. Uh, I, I can see you and raise you one, because when I started in 1974, uh, commissions on the big board were fixed. And it didn't matter who you traded with, uh, you paid the same commissions. 
And now, uh, fast forward 35, 36 years later, and of course everything is negotiated and the average commission is approaching roughly zero. Now, in the equity markets, the trade management seems very easy to measure and monitor, but in some <coughs> other areas like fixed income or, say, derivatives, it's a little more difficult. Do you have any comments about that? Well, I, I certainly agree with, with your sentiment. Uh, when you think of the equity, equity markets and trade uh, cost measurement, it's rather straightforward, at least it was before some of the advances you alluded to. Uh, there is a tape. You have a record of transactions, what was paid, how much, when, where, for who, not necessarily the individual client, but the venue. And that can be sliced and diced and measured in the appropriate way. Think of fixed income, where it may be a dealer market and there's no record of all the transactions. Well, that just the prima facie leads to problems right off the bat. I am far from an expert on that sort of trading, but I do know enough to know it's complicated. Right. What I always thought was interesting is that if you look back at the car business, when it started out, there was hundreds and hundreds of manufacturers, and then it gradually migrated down to just a few. And it seems like every day we get more and more exchanges around the world cropping up. Do you think that's a trend that's going to continue? Great analogy. Uh, fragmentation uh, has been considered a problem by many academics. I think to some extent it is a problem. And there may be a drive in the future keep the automotive image going, uh, to consolidate trading, but as of now, it's going into many different venues and methods and brokers and brokerage arrangements, and I say viva la difference. Having known you for many years, I was always fascinated that you were involved in one of the first quantitatively run uh, funds, and um, that was many, many years ago. Now, many, many funds are run quantitatively. What are some of the differences that have happened over the years? I, I could uh, I could speak uh, speak uh, for hours on the changes that have occurred. Let me uh, key one to transaction cost management. Uh, Twenty-five years ago, Aronson Johnson Ortiz was founded, and I must admit, even though we were quants from day one, it was difficult to get the necessary data, the necessary information, to accurately measure transaction costs. It was usually done by outside services like the Plexus Group. I mentioned Wayne Wagner earlier. He's founded the Plexus Group. Well, fast forward to 2010, and these data issues are trivial. Computers are it's a high speed, as we know, sitting on our desktops, and the data is readily available. So, one of the great advances of quantitative methods in investing is the ability for each and every manager, indeed, each and every client, to measure their precise transaction costs and therefore uh, figure out what to do about them. Because as our accountants remind us, you can't manage what you don't measure. I was hoping you would go into how you were top gun with the HP calculator that your father bought you uh, many, many years ago. But you're, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> so at this, the, the, these hallowed halls, I was an undergraduate at the Wharton School, and my father, who was concerned about my future, spotted me to an HP calculator, as you say, which, by the way, in, in 1971 dollars cost $400. So it was a major investment. The fun part was... 
nobody else had one or very few people had them. So when I started working at Drexel Burnham Lambert in downtown Philadelphia, I brought this calculator in and created quite a stir because everyone was looking over my shoulder. I'd never been the, the good-looking girl at the bar before, and they were looking over my shoulder to see what is this thing. Yeah, that's great. And now we have these computers that are incredibly fast. There's a big thing about co-location, getting your yeah, computers close to the exchange so that you get faster execution. And it, it's amazing it just, how, it, how things have changed in our lifetime. Just, just amazing. Now we're measuring things in nanoseconds. And I just like to use the uh, example that there's more computing power in my watch that I'm wearing right now <laughs> that was available on my desk at Drexel Burnham Lambert in 1974 when I started in the industry. That That's pretty amazing. And here at the University of Pennsylvania was the first computer, ENIAC, right? ENIAC. So we're in the hollowed halls of uh, the, the beginning of the computer, computer revolution. So um, if we were to look forward to five, ten years, what are some of the things that you see might uh, uh, crop up in, in, the, uh, in this area? Well, well just as uh, over the past uh, many decades, things like soft dollars and directed commissions have become less important, I believe you're going to see a continued effort to put the responsibility for trading clearly on the shoulders of managers, and by that I mean clients, because it's their money. So things like commissions have gone from pre-negotiated fixed rates, let's just say hypothetically, a $100 million institutional account, averaged, I think, 29 cents a share, no negotiation. Today, the average commission may be a penny or two, maybe three or four cents at most. I think that trend will continue and commissions, as I joked a moment ago, will approach zero. Now, if you consider the cost of trading to be the all-in cost, commissions are just a teeny portion of it. It's the tip of the iceberg. All the other costs must be the focus, and things like bid-ask spreads, importantly, market impact, pushing stock up when you buy it and down when you sell it, depending on the quantity, the amount, the speed with which you trade, all of those those issues will become paramount. Now you deal with a lot of pension funds and endowments. Are there anything that you see in the horizon as far as uh, issues that they're going to have to address? Well, I don't think it's a, it's a matter of what issues they have to address. I certainly have seen over the last 25 years increased pressure uh, from the client to the manager to make sure they're trading in the most efficient cost-effective means. And again, a, sample, uh, uh, a um, example of that would be less soft dollars, uh, directed commissions, things that muddy the waters and aren't necessarily bad. There's nothing necessarily wrong with soft dollars, but there's nothing, nothing necessarily right about them either, so they do away with them to, to vo avoid any conflict. Great. Well, that's about all the time we have. Ted, thank you very much oh, for the agreeing to the interview. It was very Great enjoyable and very valuable for our viewers. And thank you for listening to another episode of Take 15. Copyright 2010, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.